My name is Sabata. I'm going to read from Romans 5, right? The first part of Romans 5 talks about hope. This is verse 3. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character, and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy, because we can now experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So the idea is that all what you're going through, all what you can go through in life is not just to give you a fake sense of hope and say, oh, yeah, you missed it, or oh, yeah, you didn't hit the jackpot. No, 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 no. This whole thing is to bring you to that place where you experience the endless love of God and like you experience the Holy Spirit. You see, what happens is that we can go through life, and there are a lot of people I meet who are saved, but have never experienced the Holy Spirit. You see, if I ask people in this, you'll find at least a few who basically have never experienced the Holy Spirit. If you want the Holy Spirit, please come after service and we'll pray for you. But it is important for us to know that we need the wholeness of God. You know, triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? Sometimes we just major on one. But the completeness of the triune Godhead is what is the wholeness of the gospel. Without the Holy Spirit, there would be no book of Acts. Our lives would basically be Sunday to Sunday Christians, and we would basically just have a form of religion and we would walk away. You see, what is very funny because I had this awesome message, okay, and I basically had to, as I was driving back home, God basically said, hey, Tell my people, you are my everything. That's all. And I was like, God, there is no scripture in the Bible which says that, right? How do I tell you that God wants to tell you, like how Cammy's praying, right? Lord, you are our everything. God is saying that you are my everything. Think of it. He thinks that you are his everything. There is nothing else in the world that he wants more than you. He's king of all the worlds, heaven and earth, and yet all he's saying is that you are my everything. Think. Because for us, what happens is like we put so much emphasis on living a good life and don't sin and all that, we forget how God looks at us. You see, for us, it's that, that, that God consciousness has to become the priority of our lives where we are not living a life on sin consciousness. You see, if you end up having a God consciousness, you fall in love with God. When you fall in love with God, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And that's what the scripture says, nothing will separate us. Neither death. Even like, you know, say sickness or whatever you think is going to, oh God, you let me down, I'm going to die. No, 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 if I'm going to die, I'm going to go to heaven. Hey, there's more joy in heaven that is awaiting me than what is on earth. I'm just getting a foretaste of that, what is in heaven is here. You see, and so for us, we have to come with that understanding is that God wants us to experience his endless love. What has happened is, and I'll paraphrase a lot, I'll go through my notes, but I want to give you this first, right? It's kind of you start with what you're going to tell you, then I'll tell you what I'm going to tell you, and then I'll repeat what I told you, okay? <laughs> So it's like it, it reinforces stuff in us. But for us, what we do is 
we meet God, right? How many of y'all got saved? Uh, okay, okay. So when you got saved, there's an expression of God that became real to you, that He revealed Himself to you, that you felt, God, my life is broken. I need you. And you said, this, like, you know, Cammy was like, Jehovah Jireh. I was like, yeah. So for a lot of people, God becomes the provider. In, in nowadays terms or IG terms, it's sugar daddy, right? It's like we basically say, God, I am getting saved. I need you to do this and this and this for me. And that is your experience of who your father is. And, and it, what shocks me is that that is what you will live your whole life with. It doesn't advance, it doesn't expand, it doesn't... And God's love says that there is no, like, depth. There is no height. It's like, you know, you can go as deep as you want in God's love. You can go as high as you want. You can go as wide as you want. Because God's love for you is that vast. You see? And what we do is, like, we have this one moment in time where you get saved, and at that moment, whatever you think is your crucial thing, that somebody broke your heart, and you just decided to give your heart to Jesus because, oh, my heart's broken, God, only you can heal me. And at that moment, Jesus became the lover of your soul, and that's all that you have, a revelation of what the Father's love for you is. You see, we never ever tell people, it's like, hey, what's the next thing God led you to? Well, how did you develop? Like, where did you go? Like, what? What is your heart movement? Where are you going? Because, hey, like people are happy that you're even coming to church. Like, seriously. Like, you know, there, there are two schools of thought, right? One, one school of thought is, hey, I'm glad to see you made it to church. Now I'm not going to ask you what's going on in your life because it's messed up and then I don't want to fix it. Right? Honest. You, but then there's the second school of thought with like, hey, let's help you. Let me love you like crazy, and then like hopefully you open yourself up to this part and say, hey, this is where I am at, and this is where God, and then if I have a revelation of who God is for your life, I'm able to convey that same love of God and say, hey, God wants to do this for you. You see, I cannot come from a theology aspect of it and say, the Bible says, no, 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 God has to become real in my life. The word became flesh. Let that word Jesus become flesh in our lives, that we be able to give life to whoever hears us, whoever needs us. Even a smile will give life. My shadow will raise people from the dead. That's what you are called to do. See, this is how you have to basically frame yourself, frame your mind. It's, it's in a framing of a thought. We've been taught and doctored like, you know, they told us like, you know, you wear your mask and you do this and do that. It's like, is the framing of all these things cause you to believe that what you are really are? But when you go into the Word of God, see, to me, very important thing, okay? Word, worship. Two things. God reveals Himself through the Word and through the worship. If I don't spend time in the Word, I'm not going to find the treasure that God has for my life. I'm not going to find the personality of God. I'm never going to understand who this God is because all I stayed at was I knelt my foot down and I said, Jesus, I surrender my life. And now I don't know how I'm going. I'm doing everything I want to do. I'm just, I surrendered. I had salvation. But today I'm living as I want to. I go to church, do what I want to, but I go to church. 
You see, the second part of it is the word. The second part is worship. In worship, God comes to you. How many of you all know that? I heard this crazy thing Bill Johnson said. Bill Johnson is pastor of a church in Bethel, California. And he said, only a four-year-old gets distracted in the presence of God. A four-year-old is the person who basically is on their phone. Four-year-old who decides he wants to talk to his friends at the back. A four-year-old who decides, I could just get up and walk when the greatest person in the whole world, heaven and earth, is in the room walking between us. You know when they said, it's like, hey, God's in this room? When two or three of us are gathered, God is always in this room. He's in your house when two or three are gathered in his name. You see, when God's walking in this place, he comes to each one. His, Alan's job is to lead us into like the presence of God. But individually, God comes to you and he stands before you. And he says, hey, do you want to see who I am? He wants to expose himself to you in a sense is like, hey, you know what we're doing in heaven today? Do you know what really the celebration is? You know, and, and God wants to become that real to you that you don't have just a name that you're following. You have a person, Jesus. You have that person of the Father that you're looking face to face at and you're saying, yeah, I know him. It's not like, you know, my father just came, gave me gifts, and I, okay, thank you, Father, like my sugar daddy father, and I'm basically gone back to my own life. No, I want to spend time with him. I want to see what he loves to do. You see, and that, it's, it's the esteem that how we look at our Father in that moment of worship is how we will esteem him in everything that we do. It's the esteem that you place. If I look at David, I look at you and I say, hey, David, you're a good provider. You can provide and all. But that's all about you. I've never decided to go beyond that. I've never decided to understand what makes David tick. What gives his heart joy, whether it is sailing, whether it is jumping, whether it is what? It, I have never paid attention to that. But that is where we are called to in worship. So, and, the, and, and this is how funny it is. God is so loving that even if you choose not to worship him, he still says, I love you. He still, he still says that you are my everything. You did that to me? Oh, I'd give you five chances. Strike one, strike two, strike three, four, you're going away. And five, you're gone. Okay? But that's how I think. Right? And that's why the Bible says that your ways are not my ways. My ways are much higher than yours. Seventy times seven is less or more than five. I gave you five chances, Chris. But seventy times seven... I don't even know the multiplication. Somebody will help me, 490 or whatever. But, you know, it's like, just think of it. It's like, that's what God's asking us for. So our understanding of the love of God, until we don't experience that love to that level where we are like 70 times 7, we will never be able to give. You know why God wants you to know that you are his everything? Because when people come in to receive him, you are able to portray the very likeness of God. I'm reading this book. I just read the foreword right now. I have very good fun times with books. I read one chapter, and then I don't know when I read the next chapter. So I buy, I buy the books, but Court loves, Court is my wife, and Court basically loves that I read. I buy books, but I never read them. It's just like my shoes. I was laughing about Kirk last week. He was like, 
he had only two shoes. I was like, <laughs> I have the shoe anointing, and if you need shoes, I have more shoes. I have more shoes than even coat, okay? So, <laughs> I'll put it out there, but I have the anointing. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. <laughs> like, so, but, but, but that's, that's what it is. It's like we just need that fullness of understanding of the heart of God. Like, you know, when, when, I, when this message came to me and you're my everything, normally, like, you know, my, I'd be, like, crying, and I'd be like, ah, Jesus, like, yeah, like you know, I, I'm, like, totally, like, into that. And I was like, that's cool. Now, how do you tell a church, uh, I don't have a scripture for this? I have a scripture. I, I'm not lying. I have scriptures for you. Go, go to Romans 5, 6. For when the time was right, the anointed one came and died to demonstrate his love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. When we were basically didn't even know Jesus, when we didn't even know how to get out of sin, when we didn't know how to even worship Jesus, when we didn't know who is Jesus, I thought I knew Jesus. I was Catholic all my life. I never read the Bible till one day somebody like... Uh, it was this Australian uh, rugby team playing Fiji, and they had, uh, I think it was Philippians 4.13 on the back. And I was like, man, this Fiji team is losing like 34-something, and they have a scripture on their back. I didn't know what the scripture was. Somebody had given me a Bible, because I don't know how I got that also. But I watched the second half of the game. Fiji came back and beat Australia, who were the favorites. I was like, I need that scripture. I need that scripture. So this is how funny it is. The, word, the Bible in my house, we had this wooden cabinet. It was hidden somewhere at the back. It was there. I took it out, and we had white ants on that Bible. And I was like, I don't know now what to do. I, I, was, I, I would still want to look at the scripture. So I just turned it, found it. I was like, yep, I can do all things through Christ to strengthen me. And I was like, okay. So I called all my friends, saved, unsaved. I said, hey. This worked for that Fiji team. It will work for us also. <laughs> hey, the word, unsaved, didn't know Jesus much, like just followed religion. But hey, that word helped all of us. Didn't matter if you're Hindu. Didn't matter if you're Muslim. Everybody did that. You know what was the other word that we had, which was not scriptural? Knowing is half the battle won. It's from G.I. Joe. You know why we said that? Because we only knew what our syllabus was. We didn't even study. But we said we know now half the battle is knowing what the syllabus is. Next half we'll figure out what to do. That's how we lived, right? And that is, I won't say more. <laughs> Verse 8. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. He made the sacrifice when... He didn't want to do anything. I don't know everyone's background, where you met Jesus. There are friends of mine who were, what do you say, priests in Hindu temples. Never knew Jesus. Somebody gave them a Bible, a small, you know, one of those Gideon things in the park. He read it, and suddenly, like, these evil spirits started coming to kill him. And it knew, he knew it was the goddess he was serving. And he basically said, went to the high priest of the other, and he said, man, I just read this book. I didn't even believe in it. But now you caused me to believe in this. And he just walked away. There were three nights they came to choke him and kill him. And every time he just said Jesus. He didn't know anything. 
The name of Jesus is that powerful. The name of Jesus. You don't give me a theology about what you think about the name of Jesus, whether it was this and that. And doesn't matter. The name Jesus. Get that clear. If people come, in whose name are you gathering? In the name of Jesus. That is who we stand on. Our rock, our foundation, our strong tower. This is who he is, Jesus. You know why we feel that Jesus is shaky? Because we go high, our emotions take us high, and then we come low. But Jesus is constant. His love is constant. His love is always there to hold you. His love is always there to walk you. Even at the darkest time, the love of God is with you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. I've been through times. I've been, what, now 20, 25 years I've been saved. Been through everything in, in a sense in 25 years. But in that, he has proved faithful. One thing I know, one thing I know. I may not know much, but one thing I know, and I can tell you that with a, what do you say, firm conviction that Jesus is always there for you. You may think that, oh, I'm so much in sin, I don't even know how to get out of this. Just that name, Jesus. Call on that name, Jesus. Why am I preaching this message to y'all? Y'all are saved, y'all know the name Jesus. No, 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 no. It, 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 it matters to you because it's like where you are and where you cannot see a way out. Who will bring you through? The name Jesus. That is the name, the only name above all names. Jesus. For me, it, it becomes difficult because, like, you know, I alternate between Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, God, like, you know, and I'm like, okay, what do I tell these people? Hey, let me at least emphasize one thing in you instead of just saying God, because tomorrow you'll go out and Deepak Chopra said God. No, the God that I serve is Jesus. I'm making it clear, I'm making it steadfast in your heart that Jesus is the only way. There is no other way but the name of Jesus. Huh. You know why Jesus died on the cross? Right? We go through this holy week with this whole thing of Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus' whole goal in life was to unite us to the Father. He could have chilled out. Jesus didn't have to do that. You think of it like this. If three of them gathered, Jesus, Father, the Holy Spirit, and they basically were like, yeah, how do we get this creation back? A sacrifice had to be made that was blemishless. That sacrifice. And, and Jesus understood what joy it would give his Father that we would be reunited to him. He understood the Father's heart because he's seen the Father face to face. He's seen every movement of his. He's saying that like when, you know, we go about our lives and we sin, we do what we want. And do you think Jesus, like the Father, is like just happy and he's like applauding us? Nah. He just watches. He says, I wish, I wish they would come. I can help them. I wish they would change their ways. Because I am there for them. I can, I can lead them out. When, when the Egyptians, right, were right, all over Israel, that's Passover, right? And in that Passover moment, he, Jesus, by his blood, made a way for them. That's just the foreshadow. For us, the blood of Jesus brings us out of, delivers out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. That is who Jesus is. That is what Jesus thought of when he looked at the Father and he said, Father, I am willing. He never had anything else. He never said that, oh, you're going to clap, you're going to celebrate, you're going to crown me king, and you're just going to adore me, and not, nothing. He just said, I'm going to become nothing. Not, I'm not taking, like, he, he was so be beaten up that there was no form of even you would want to look at him. He was so beaten up, so torn up. There was no form that you could even understand that this is Jesus. He just looked like a flesh, a piece of bleeding flesh. That's how much he cared for his father. That to reunite you, that is the same love he has for you, that you may know him. That's all he said, that you may know him as I have known him. That you may be in the Father that, the way I am in the Father. He wants us to be abide in him. When you read that, I think it's John 14 or whatever. It says, your life is abiding in me as I abide in the Father. You see, we, we have to come to that part of it. Is This is what he wants. He wants us to know the good Father. He wants us to know that God is a good Father. Not just he will provide your every need. There is more to God than provide your every need. We have limited God. We have said like our giving is, we say I want tenfold, I want hundredfold, I want, I like thousandfold, there's a scripture for that. But, you know, but we have limited that our giving, but our giving when it becomes a sacrifice, the way Jesus was a sacrifice, brings forth much fruit. I prefer much fruit, which has no volume, no quantification, no amount dictated to it, because I want much fruit. That you may have much fruit. How much is much fruit? What? 10,000 baskets? 100,000 baskets? We don't know. But I want the much. I want the much more and the much, much more. I am going for that. You choose based on the hunger of your heart how much you want of God. That, that, is, that is the dictate of our life. Once you get saved, how desperate are you for God? Are you ready to stand six hours out in line to just meet Jesus? <laughs> that, that's where it comes to. I'm, and Jesus is walking amongst us. And we are like, hmm, what's on my phone? I wonder who's playing. I wonder what's going on. But Jesus, the Father just looks at you and he goes, he's like, I still love you. I will point finger at you. I will say, mm, mm, mm. But God, nah. So what am I working on? The very likeness of God that I may be like him. That is what we are called to. The book I was reading is basically your highest calling. Your highest calling is to become like Jesus. Where, how do I become like Jesus? In little things. In your day-to-day -day things. In those small things where you walk with God and you say, God, I love you. God, this is what it means to me. But I choose to die. I choose to die. I love to become a martyr one day. Right? But in the moment when the toughest moment is, the real martyrs arise. You will see. You will not know it also in you. But like say if suddenly there's all this like clamp down, lockdown, whatever, shut down, and you're like not allowed to say the name of Jesus, that's when you know where people are ready to die. All the saying about before that is like, ah, humbug. Because at that moment, when the crashing comes, when that pressing comes, 
What comes out of you, you will know. This is what we are called to, like, fill yourselves with enough of this that you will know that, hey, even if they wake me up in my sleep and they say, who do you follow? I say, Jesus. Oh, you're going to jail. I don't care. I follow Jesus. This is what has to be on our inside. This is what will crush us and will bring us out. And that, out of that comes much fruit. You know, I, I was telling court last night, I was saying, court, do you know that even Jesus didn't want to drink the cup? He said, if this cup could pass, because he came in our likeness. He came like us. There was nothing that Jesus couldn't do, right? Because we are thinking, oh my God, Jesus just came. It was a cakewalk. He just like walked through people. He just created wine. He had all these miracles. No, no, no. But he spent that wilderness time with his father. And he just said, Father, if you would get this cup. Like he didn't want it. He knew it was bearing down of him. He was bleeding blood. But why would he change his mind? Think of it. He's going through this agony, and I want out. Tap, tap, tap. I'm tapping out. I'm gone. Like, good luck, guys. Like, you know, okay, Peter, you figure out your fishing and all that, but I'm gone. And here he is twice, I think he asked, right, that this cup passed me. And he, twice he just sat back, possibly. This is my interpretation, okay? He sat back, and he thought, hmm, this is so that my father becomes happy that he's united with his children. We are brothers with Jesus. We are co-heirs with him, you see? And what we have to come to that point is sometimes when our flesh is not ready to die, that's when it has to die the most. We, we need to come to that, you know? We, we have ego, we have pride, you know? I'll say it for myself, if y'all don't want to acknowledge, that's fine. But, but we have all these things, and, and at those moments we wanted to die, because there will be instances where you will just see, it's like, yeah, I could have just shut my mouth. I didn't have to have a witty comeback. I didn't have to snap. I didn't have to do something. Because that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's what we are trying to form. We are on this journey, all of us, okay? We are all in this together. Since you're sitting in this room, you're all with me. Okay, yeah, no ticket out, nothing, close the doors. <laughs> but we are in this because we are going with that purpose. The world outside needs to see this Jesus who we know in us be formed, that undeniably, that when they walked out, like these apostles walked out, they were like, hey, they were with Jesus. There was no like, oh, yeah, they got a PhD and they have this and they have that. No, 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 they were with Jesus. That's it. That was their whole qualification. How they dressed up didn't matter. Verse 9. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. <laughs> still much more. How much more? How much more do you want? If you think you know everything, hey, there's still much more. Your everything is not God's everything. There is still much more. And, I, and, I, and, I, and it's, this is an invitation from God. Hey, there is still much more. So when we become the, what do you say, authority about something, 
and we slam our Bible down and you basically talk like you're the authority, there is still much more. You see, we understand the love of God so far, but there is still much more. And I wrote this down, what is your statement? What I mean by what is your statement is based on your relationship with God. If I had to tell you, tell me who your father is. What would you say? Right? Based on this worship and being, reading the Bible and going through this, who your father is to you? What would your statement be? You can tell yourself in your mind. You don't have to tell me. I wrote this. My dad is strongest, most awesome, and he loves me like crazy. Straight. Nothing. Thing. I, I, I always say this, and people think I'm like brash. I said, if my knee touches the ground, heaven and earth will move on my behalf. That's how much he loves me. That's how much I know that he would do things for me. There were two times in my life, okay, I'm telling you this. Two times in my life where God was standing with me in a very hard time. And he asked me, what do you want me to do? I could tell him whatever I wanted to fix the problem. I could tell him exactly what I wanted. And I just told him, I love you. Stupid? Maybe. I don't know. But that's how much I love him. I didn't want an answer to the problem because the problem was not bigger than my God. You see, we think that, oh, the problem got solved and God fixed that problem. And yes, we'll give him all the praise reports and all. But hey, sometimes it doesn't matter. You go through it. I went through it. Endure through it. I have the joy. I have the hope of God in me. Experiencing the everlasting love of God. You see, sometimes we limit God to, hey, fix my issues. Fix what I need. Do what I need. You know. And why I said this about what is your statement of your father. A lot of people are unknown people, right? Like, okay, Ingris is right at the back. Ingris, do we know? Like I was telling her, I was like, hey, I, I thought you were from Venezuela. You know? And then she's like, nah. Like, you know? And then somebody else said, Mexico. Oh. And we were like going about it. But we don't know where everyone is from, right? I'll tell you the story. 1 Samuel 16, right? When the prophet went to Jesse in Bethlehem, right, he basically said, hey, bring your sons. Jesse even didn't bring out David. He had eight sons. David was the youngest, eighth, right? And he didn't even bring David out. Then the prophet, after going through seven, had to ask him, he's like, hey, man, do you have any other sons? Because I know I heard God. He told me to come and anoint him. But, hey, you may be an unknown person. You may be an unknown person even to your own father. But God the Father knows where you are, knows what you're doing, knows what you're called to do. He will never miss you. He will never leave you. He will never leave your dreams unfulfilled because he loves you. Because he said, you are my everything. This is how much he loves you. We know David became a king. Because that was God's destiny over his life. What is your destiny over your life? Hey, come meet with him. Let him tell it to you. Let him open that thing to you. Because David's destiny was not just to become a king, was to become a worshiper. That's all he was doing in the wilderness. 
That's why at the end of times, the house of David, the worship, is what he is known as. You see, it was not about your rule and authority and reign. It was how you worshipped him. Because he became real to David in that moment. And that's what he carried on for the rest of days. That even we are carrying on the worship of David. The Davidic worship. You see? All right. We good. I'll finish with this. Romans 5.10. Then something greater than friendship is ours. That's what I'm saying. Because Jesus said, hey, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And now this, this is Romans is saying that, hey, there's something more than friendship. That means we are co-heirs with Jesus in reconciling ourselves back to God by the blood of Jesus. We have become one with him and we rule and reign with Jesus. That is our authority. You see, this love of God is not just so that, eh, I felt good, you know, I'll be like, whoa, like all that. No, you want to be like Jesus. You want to rule and reign with Jesus and understand what pleases the Father. And you move things and you say, mm -mm, not this, this is not what my father like. Like if I brought you flowers and it was all smelling. You don't like perfume. And I love perfume. I love to smell like the desert rose or whatever you want to call it, right? But, but it is that. It's what you know that the person likes. What does your father love? So now, for you, what in you, in your heart, has kept you away from this love of God? Think about it. It's not for anybody else. Everyone is individual, you know? And, and that's what we have to come with that. And it's funny, I don't do an altar call. But this is an altar call if you don't know Jesus, if you have never received Jesus as your Savior. I'm opening up this altar to you. Come, taste, and see. But the second part of it is, if you have never experienced and you stayed at that salvation level, maybe you dabbled a little deeper, but you have never experienced the love or you want to get into the more, the much more of God, of his everlasting love. You need to come up in front. You know why? If you think you're broken, right? You know the broken pots? We are earthen vessels, right? So when the pots were broken, right, they, they made that loud sound at Jericho. But we have just broken pieces of pots. When God restores us and he puts the Holy Spirit in us, the light, what they had, and we make a sound, we are able to tear down strongholds. Every stronghold. There is nothing. The strongest of the strongest has to come down. And don't worry about the crushing, because in that, the sound that we make is more pleasing to the Father than to anybody else. And you'll be like, oh, but I have to go through this again. So what? He'll restore me. Hey, my life is his, right? When we said we give our lives to him. And that is the choice. But he wants you to know that you are his everything. And so if you, you can stand up. Because, you know, it takes a couple of movements of us to even decide whether we want to come up in front or no. But there's this opportunity right now to just meet him, just receive the love. 
I don't know where you are. It's like whether it's like a difficulty, whether it's an issue, whether it's a problem. Because he gives us even, if you read, go back and read Romans 5. You'll enjoy it. Because he says, I give, give you do, dominion over sin. Right? When we say that, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I'm always do No, he gives you dominion over sin. When people walk away from God, you know what I have to tell them? I don't have any, like, you know, self-help book and all. I have, hey, just get down on your knees and pray. And just say, Jesus, I don't know. I don't know how to fix my life. Start there. You'll get the answer. So this morning, right now, the love of God is ready for you. Do you want to receive? Whether you want to receive salvation, whether you want to receive the Holy Spirit, whether you want to just be restored and just feel like that love is able to carry you through. So we just wait on you, Holy Spirit. Father, we just thank you for your glorious love. We just thank you about all our thinking, about all our knowing, about all our experiences, about everything, oh God. Your love thinks the world about me things the world about us, that you died on the cross, that we may be saved because we are everything to you. We are so special. We are so special. We are so special. We just thank you for that unique, special, special touch of you, that you made us with your hands. Everything else you spoke and it was created. But you made us with your hands. That even our nose is perfect. Even our ears are perfect. Even our toes are perfect. Everything you made with perfection. And you breath, you put your breath into us. That is the breath that we carry. So Father, we just thank you for this morning. We just thank you that even as we go out of this place, we pray that we understand this love even more and more. So take us deeper to the much more. Take us to that place of much more. Where, Lord, everything that we knew even feels like it was just a small minuscule of who you are. And that is the fact. That is the reality. So we just bless you this morning. Every sickness, every kind of temptation, everything broken. Hmm. Everything. Just right now, lift your hands. What you need. What you need. Your Father is good. Your Father is good. Just reach out. Just reach out. If you think you don't know what you need and you need, just say everything. Just everything. Father, we just come and we just say, oh God, restore us. Restore us again. Restore us again. Restore us again. That every kind of whale be torn. Every kind of facade be gone. That Lord you restore us to who we are. Who we are supposed to be at this moment of time. Reset, reset, reset. And that is what we call into every life in this place. And that is what I declare over your lives. That right now there is a reset. But right now you will be reset face to face with God. It will not be a distant communication. It will be, God, be real to me now. Now. 
restoration. Every crack, every crack even thinking, every kind of crack even in your soul, we set you free. Every brokenness, we say be made whole. In the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. Every sickness has to bow. Every tongue has to confess. It doesn't matter what you feel you know, whether you feel comfortable saying it or no. The name Jesus, that is your triumphant sound. That is your shout. That is who you are called to be. Like Jesus. The hope of glory. You are the glory of the Father. You, each, individually, where you are, what you're doing, doesn't matter right now to him. He wants you to know that you are his glory. That he is proud of you. Every shame has to fall off. Every condemnation has to be broken. Every kind of even say, oh, my families did that. Oh, my forefathers did that. We break every curse. We break every curse in the name of Jesus. We say you are free. You are free to be like Jesus. We call you into your divine destiny. We call you and say, be king, be ruler, be coheres with Christ, the anointed one. You are anointed for such a time of this. You are anointed to go forth and shake every place, every darkness, every stronghold. Bring down Jericho. Bring down every stronghold. Bring down every stronghold living in the mind. We come against that right now. Every stronghold of the mind, every thought pattern, we break it. We break it. Yeah, let the Holy Spirit come in. Let the Holy Spirit come in. Jesus will never leave you stranded. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. What is your difficulty? What is the thing that God is not able to do? He is able to do everything exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. That is who he is. He is a God of impossible. God of impossible. Make him your father. And know that nothing is impossible for the children of God. That you are the child of God. That everything what is his is yours. Yeah, we don't know the taste of what it is to win a million dollars. But we know the taste of Jesus. We know the sweetness of fellowship with him. We know that taste. And nothing, millions over millions over millions, cannot compare to that. Cannot, will never, will never. Ha! Receive. Receive. I just feel the Holy Spirit just stamping your heart. Just stamping your heart. Searing it with that burning love of God. Sear us a God. Sear us a God. Sear us a God. That even like our years, O oh God, that even we are no longer bound, O oh God. That we are free, O oh God. And yet we say, O oh God, Lord, pierce our ears. Pierce our ears that we become handmaidens of yours. Pierce our ears that we are forever bonded to you. Sear us, oh God. Sear us. So we just bless you, Jesus. We bless you. We thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.